0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for The Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Scott Barber. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Lounge. You're listening to Dr. Scott Barber on America's Web Radio. Uh, today, uh, we've got a show where we're going to be talking a bit about junk science and how junk science is a tool and we're seeing that tool being used as uh, in an effort to change the world and uh, to move towards a one world governance and uh, i know a lot of you might not uh, see the connections that uh, i'm seeing and so i'm going to share with you some of my opinions about what i what i see going on in the world and how healthcare is being used as a tool to drive the world into this one world governance and how critical it is for us to achieve healthcare freedom. Now, I grew up in a military family. My father was a naval officer, and he taught me from a young age that the most important thing that I ever got in my entire life, next to my life, was being born a citizen of the United States of America that... Even with all of our park marks, even with all of our failures, <clears throat> even with all of the corrupt things that have happened in our country, there's no other country that even holds a candle to us. And that our ability to control our own destiny is greater here than any other society in human history. And I grew up believing this, and I grew up believing that our ability to succeed in this life was... In our own hands. And although obstacles may be put in front of us, your ability to overcome those obstacles is greatest in a constitutional republic where the rule of law is supposed to protect you. Now, we're seeing a lot of that break down. And I'm starting to see as an older, um, somewhat cynical or more cynical person that <clears throat> The United States has always had its problems, as is, as has the entire world. This concept of freedom and justice is blind is an ideal that we're always reaching for, and we never quite attain. And when I was a young boy, I remember Ronald Reagan saying that uh, freedom is never never more than a generation away, or something to that effect. And I remember thinking to myself, "Well, it's solved here. We have the Constitution." Uh, we're 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 protected. We're free. And I think a lot of us have seen over the last several decades that that freedom has been eroding. And I, we've seen it in every sector of our lives, our education. More and more people are trapped in a failing public school system. The teachers unions have extraordinary power. Um, we're seeing it in healthcare. care. Just in the course of my lifetime. Uh, I've been in practice over 20 years and the collapse of healthcare, with uh, most doctors now being employed by hospital systems that are completely controlled by funds that they get from Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement and how this ties to political power has really affected our healthcare system. Now, I'm always telling people the only thing I ever wanted to be was be a doctor. I don't want to talk about politics and I don't. Uh, you know, I don't really want to engage in any other businesses. I just wanted to be the best possible doctor I could be. And unfortunately, you cannot talk about healthcare without talking about politics because healthcare is a major tool of politics. And this was discussed by Plato a very long time ago about the fact that if you control one's healthcare, you control the person. Now, at the end of the day, what I care about is my freedom, my freedom to choose where my kids go to school, to choose my education, to choose my own occupation, my ability to uh, grow, to, to achieve, to save money, to spend that money where I want, um, to help my children grow, uh, to be good citizens, uh, and to achieve their dreams. And I'm seeing the ability of that diminishing with every single day, and I'm going to draw some connections for you guys to help you see what's going on, and hopefully you can all get out to the ballot box and start voting for freedom. Now, this argument about f- free market healthcare and socialized medicine has just gotten absurd and ridiculous. The, the idea that somehow socialized medicine is better than free market medicine is utterly ridiculous. On the face of it, it's not even true. Uh, and But why does this come up all the time? And the reason is, is because the political power rests in control of healthcare. That rests in socialized medicine. And so we see everywhere we look, we're being told not to believe our lying eyes, but to believe that socialism Is the way to go. Now, we just had a ridiculous state senator, uh, um, Florida State Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith, who apparently was confused and uh, was on the floor of the assembly uh, wanting evidence that socialism kills. And I mean, that's just so ridiculous on the face of it. Democratic socialism. He used the term. I didn't mean socialism. I meant democratic socialism. Let me explain to you the difference between socialism and democratic socialism. Democratic socialism is the first time that you vote to have socialism, like what occurred in Venezuela. They voted for Hugo Chavez. They got their social, socialism. And then that's the end of the voting. The, the ballot boxes are completely corrupted in those countries Uh, once you get uh once you vote for socialism that first time then the strong arm takes over then you get socialism uh whether you want it or not and then when you refuse to produce under the socialized regime it just transfers into communism where you are forced to participate in the process at the point of a gun and those who fail to comply uh, will be eliminated and we've seen this in the Soviet Union we've seen it in China we've seen it in Cambodia with the killing fields Bulgaria Romania East Germany and on and on and on it's it's conservatively estimated a 100 million people have died in the 20th century at the hands of socialism we've never seen a single instance where it works uh, and yet we see people in this country are elected officials openly espousing the concept of socialism and their first tenet of this socialist regime is uh, universal socialized health care. And when we look at socialized medicine, um, I'm often bewildered. Uh, I'm old enough to remember uh, Germany uh, and Berlin set up into East Berlin and West Berlin and East Germany and West Germany. There was actually a wall there that was put up uh, during the Cold War. And nobody ever tried to get across the fence to go from West Germany into East Germany. They were always trying to get from East Germany into West Germany. Well, Why is that? Not to mention the fact that even if you were trying to go from West Germany back into East Germany, people wouldn't necessarily really stop you. The problem was getting out of the uh, communist uh, East German side. Now we see the same thing with cuba we're constantly told that according to the world health organization rankings in the year 2000 that the united states healthcare system was ranked 37th and that the cuban healthcare system uh, was simply ranked 39th just two spots behind the united states and i always wonder about that you never see people floating on rafts through shark infested waters to cover the 90 miles uh Uh, From Key West to Cuba, you always see them doing that coming in the other direction, from Cuba to the United States. And you have to ask yourself, why would that be? Uh, If socialism is so fantastic, and if the healthcare in Cuba is so fantastic, why are people uh, floating on rafts through shark-infested waters to try and get to the United States that supposedly is the worst place on the planet? It's ridiculous on the face of it, and we see that um, we are having more and more difficulties uh, having the ability to use our own common sense and to have open discussion. As we've seen over the last couple of years, anytime you espouse an idea, a principle, a thought, a concept that goes against the state, you find yourself censored by big tech. And we see it over and over again. Um, <clears throat> I know Joe Biden is now coming out with this new ministry of of uh, propaganda, the ministry of truth. I mean, this stuff is right out of George Orwell's 1984, where we rewrite history, we memory hole certain things, um, we eliminate language, so we make it hard to describe things. Uh, we have thought police. If you, you know, this person, I'm blanking on her name right now, but the, the woman who is uh, going to s- take over this new ministry of truth is just a known propagandist who uh, was a big um, proponent of the idea that uh, Trump was colluding with Russia when we now know that that was a, a complete fraud. We now know for a fact that this was uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, uh, spying on Donald Trump using uh, f- uh, fraudule- fraudulently obtained FISA warrants. Um <clears throat> and um, that there was a role of the uh, FBI and DOJ in allowing this. And it's, you know, I'm watching this happen before my eyes, and I just can't believe that it just keeps going on. I mean, Donald Trump was impeached for a phone call with Ukrainian President Zelensky for a so-called prid quo quo, meaning he said, uh, if you don't investigate uh hunter biden's corruption with burisma oil company you're not going to get any aid and um he released the phone call and we could see it we could actually read the transcript of the phone call we could see that there was in fact no quid pro quo but despite that we went along with this whole impeachment process and both republicans and democrats for the most part there were a few dissenters but most of them went through it as if it was legitimate now in the same breath, I could go onto my phone and within a couple of minutes, I can pull up a video of Joe Biden at the Council on Foreign Relations bragging that if the Ukrainians did not fire the prosecutor investigating Hunter Biden, that they would not be getting a billion dollars in aid and that they had six hours uh, to to make that decision. And uh, to quote Joe Biden, son of a bitch, the guy was fired. Um, this is ridiculous you have it on video i don't see any impeachment on joe biden um i don't see uh uh, you know any outrage i don't even really see the media covering it when they do it lands with a big thud they they talk about it and then they say it's old news and then they move on and um you know i'm tying this all back to health care and i you know i remember when i when i first got into medicine and i would meet with my doctor friends and we would talk about wow uh every year medicine seems to be moving more and more towards a socialized medicine model more and more government control and government penetration and we you know we used to talk about strategies about how to promote free market healthcare. And one of the first things we would always say is well let's not get political but what i learned very quickly was um Anybody who's not all in for 100% government-controlled socialized medicine is considered a white right-wing extremist. And I learned right off the bat that you can't have this conversation about free market health care without getting into politics because uh, health care is such a powerful tool of politicians. And in this country, you can see it because Medicare and Medicaid um, are government systems and they provide the lion's share of funding to our hospital systems. And they have been in cahoots. We've talked about it all times, on, all the time on this show. They have been in cahoots with the insurance companies. Um, some of it uh, agreed upon for money and power, and some of it uh, just the strong-arm leverage of the government. But the generalized principle was over the years, the insurance companies and the government decreased reimbursement uh, to physicians to the point where they could no longer support themselves in a private practice. They eventually went out of business, and in order to be able to keep practicing, they got themselves um, they got themselves uh, employed by the hospital. And the problem with that is once the hospital employed the physician, you lose independent thought, and then physicians are forced to practice medicine according to the dictates of the hospital, or they lose their job. And this... The hospital systems are beholden to the government because they are essentially funded through Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement and they are const- the officials at the hospitals are constantly lobbying politicians to increase Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement to the hospitals and there's just this grotesque alignment between hospital administrators and left-wing politicians, and right-wing as well, but mostly politicians that vote for increased government penetration, uh, controlling our health care, and it's much like the teachers' unions, where the teachers' unions demand more government money. They get that money. They then give it to the politicians in donations and campaign donations and the like to continue this cycle, and the taxpayers are kind of left without a voice, and the patients who uh, who are looking for personal health care are left without a choice. We're more and more, we're forced into this government controlled system. Now, now let's start looking at this. Now, the idea of socialized medicine and free market medicine is, is great. And I first learned this when I was, when I was very young, I was in ninth grade I was playing high school football my parents wouldn't let me play football until until I got into high school so ninth grade was the first year that I was playing football and I was playing on the freshman team and uh, I had hopes of one day you know playing on the varsity team and so my freshman year ninth grade I made the freshman team and this is the year I'm learning how to play football I'm had to learn how to put my pads on put my helmet on and you know you're trying different size equipment and you're trying to see what's comfortable and you know you learn how to play and Anyway, somewhere along the line, I broke my ring finger. And uh, I remember it didn't hurt, I ran off to the sidelines, I went to the trainer, and because it didn't hurt, I thought it was dislocated, and I said, hey, you need to pop my finger back in. And he looked at me and he said, your finger's broken. So I was out of practice, my father took me to the doctor, they took an x-ray, and sure enough, my ring finger was broken, and the doctor says, you're out for the season. And I was absolutely devastated. And the reason I was devastated was because this broken finger was essentially eliminating my entire uh, football career. Because if I don't learn how to play football my freshman year, I'm not going to know how to play football in 10th grade. And how am I going to be able to make the team as, you know, you get older and the competition gets a little stiffer? Um, they were essentially making it so I'd never be able to play football. And I was really, really depressed. My father picked up on it. And he noticed I was depressed and so he took me to go see a sports medicine doctor. And I saw that sports medicine doctor for a couple of minutes. He looked at my finger and he pulled out a piece of plastic and he said, "Here, just put this plastic on the end of your finger and you can play today." I was I was ecstatic and I was immediately like, "I don't get it. I went to the first white coat. He told me I'm out for the season. I go to the second white coat, a specialist." And, you know, he says, put this plastic thing on and you can play football. He saved my high school career and I ended up having a great high school football career. And it, it meant a lot for me. Um, I learned a lot about life and not to mention it was a lot of fun playing football. Um, but it was also my very first lesson in the difference and the importance of of free market healthcare, the ability to choose to get sick and second opinions the first person was a primary care doctor they weren't specialized in sports medicine and to that person the safe thing was don't play at all but to the experienced sports medicine doctor who specifically takes care of these problems that i sought out on my own the first doctor didn't refer me he didn't he didn't you know he wasn't acting as a gatekeeper working in my best interest he just said no you're out but i was had in a free system i had the ability to go seek out another doctor and get another opinion and he literally changed my life now we're seeing this happen on a much grander scale now where it is really really difficult to get private care i can tell you guys that um in the last couple of weeks i had a very famous professional athlete that just about every single one of you would know who who would you know any restaurant this person goes into get seated immediately um no doors are closed to this person he's that famous i mean on the world stage this person would be recognized and accommodated by everyone he called me up and he said hey scott my wife is having heart issues and I cannot get her in to see a cardiologist so I had to uh, get in touch with one of my cardiology friends and get his wife seen and sort of facilitate that whole thing and this is the world that we're living in now this is the government controlled one size fits all socialized medicine system that we have got to reverse course and get ourselves out of because you see what happens in these types of systems, in these socialized medicine systems, the well-to-do, the connected, the famous, the rich, the powerful, they'll always get care. This person was able to call me, and I you know, I dropped what I was doing, and I made it happen. Uh, but you and I, what do we get? We get nothing, and this is by design. Now, I was preparing for the show today, and so I was Googling. I always go to Google when I don't care about being censored. Google is just a joke of a search engine. Um, anything that is put into Google, no matter what it is you search, is always going to give you the left-wing communist um, point of view on that. And, of course, whenever I look up U.S. health rankings or anything about healthcare, you get nothing but... The US ranks last in healthcare, the U.S. ranks last in healthcare, the U.S. is last in health care, the worst in healthcare, and the only people that are great are socialized medicine. And it's just a big joke. I've been doing this now for thirty years, and it's utterly ridiculous to me how anybody could fall for this. But apparently it's working. And some of it is by political power. I mean, all of us sort of uh see what's happening in the world and we all feel powerless, and to some extent we are. But we do have control at the ballot box. Now, part of this problem with socialized medicine and you get these doctors that are employed by a hospital system and you get this one-size-fits-all top-down control is when, when the doctor is no longer rewarded for their labor, and this is not true of just doctors, this is true of anybody, when you are no longer rewarded for the labor that you do, guess what happens? You stop doing it. I mean, if there's no reason for you to do it, you're not going to do it. And this is what happens in socialized regimes with everything. You know, the government takes over. uh, You get your, you know, you get your little rat pellet for sustenance and then you stop producing. And then when the state runs out of goods and services and products, they come back to you and they say, hey, I need you to work. And the people say, well, I don't want to work. There's nothing in it for me. And that's when the guns come out. That's when you get to the gun to the head. You will work or else. And that's why we see 100 million people murdered in the 20th century under communist and socialist regimes, is because it is an unnatural uh, totalitarian system where individual rights are ignored and we don't have any freedom. Now, what does that look like in the beginning stages? Because make no mistake, we are in the beginning stages of this. And if we don't act... Things are going to change permanently and we're going to have a hard time getting out of this. Now, when I went to medical school and I've talked about this on the show before, and I'm like a lot of doctors and I mean, anybody, my goal was I wanted to be the best doctor I could be. I wanted to start my own practice and I wanted to practice the way I saw fit. I wanted to be in control of my own destiny. I wanted to be my own boss. Um, And yes, I wanted to make a little bit of money. Now, for me, money has never really been uh, a a major focus, but it was certainly factored into my calculation. When I was growing up, You know, my mom and dad fought a lot, and most of the time they were fighting about money, and I can just remember going to my room and just praying to God, I just want to make enough money in life so I can pay my bills, because I don't want to be fighting with my wife like that all the time. So I went to medical school and I worked really hard. In fact, Sometimes when I fantasize about being young again, I quickly say to myself, "Nah, I don't want to be young again because that would mean I would have to go through medical school again, and that's completely out of the question." I forced myself, and I'm I'm not alone. Lots of medical doctors do this, uh, but I forced myself to study nonstop. I studied between you know eight and twenty-four hours a day, every single day except for twelve days in two years, and then. The second two years of med school was very similar. Um, you know, five years of residency was a lot of work, not as much reading, but still a ton. But I mean, I pushed myself because I needed to compete. And in order to compete, I had to work hard. And And by competing, I was able to get myself into an orthopedic surgery residency and, and sort of get get to the position I'm at. But if there was no reward for that, I would have never worked at her. I remember I used to think to myself, why do we have to study this so much? I, I wish we could just have past fail. I used to fantasize about this stuff. Why? Because I don't want to work as hard. I'm tired of all this reading, but I'm a better doctor today because of it. Now, we're trying to change things into this socialized medicine system. And what happens is you get doctors that are not compensated for their labor, so they stop doing it. And what happens when that happens? Well, we change the people who are doing it. If a doctor won't do it, let's go get a nurse practitioner to do it, or let's go get a physician's assistant to do it. Somebody who's less well-trained to do the job. And you might say to yourself, well, that sounds reasonable, but it's not, because they're not the same kind of people. And I'm just going to give you a perfect example. I had a good friend of mine uh, who's also a very famous athlete that most of you would probably recognize if you saw them. They called me and they said they have a neighbor who's been dealing with a shoulder problem for about a year and a half, and they are unable to resolve their system, and so I said, "Listen, just have you know, have your give my number to your neighbor and have them call me." So he calls me. He tells me about his wife and the fact that they went to go see a doctor at another orthopedic surgery uh, institution, and they were immediately told that they had some sort of lesion in their shoulder and that you know it was a dangerous thing and that they needed to go to uh, you know Emory is where we send you know whenever somebody has any kind of possible uh, musculoskeletal cancer. Uh, or or masses and things like that, we typically will send to an academic institution like an Emory, like a Johns Hopkins, because that's where uh, these kinds of tumor doctors live. uh, And they get referred in these cases, and then they normally handle that stuff. But it's a real problem. When somebody has uh, this type of lesion, I mean, I hate it these days. It's even for me as a doctor, it's like painful phone calls and leaving messages. It's really hard because... They're so busy, they don't want to deal with it. And so, um, you know, it's very hard to get your patients in to get them evaluated. Now, I can tell you when I went through residency, we had to learn about orthopedic tumor. And it was painful. You had to study all these different cancers and look at these bony lesions. And in the course of my practice, you know, we see thousands and thousands of patients. I have to go through and screen all of these lesions and the ones that I know to be benign, I manage myself. And the ones that I think are suspicious, I have to get them to a tumor specialist so that they can be biopsied and evaluated and worked up appropriately. But I have the ability to screen for that. But what happens when you take the doctor out of the system and you replace them with somebody who's much, much less trained? And make no mistake, physician assistants and nurse practitioners, nurse practitioners, many of them are fantastic, but their training is far, far less than the medical doctor. Uh, And I've seen this process. This is exactly what happened. I could see it as soon as this person started explaining their saga to me, where they were told they have a lesion in their shoulder, that they needed to go get evaluated at Emory. Of course, the patient immediately, oh, my God. Oh, my God, I got cancer. I'm going to die. I'm going to lose my arm. They lived like that for three months, having difficulty getting into the specialist. They eventually got into the specialist and the specialist did what I did because they came to see me, which is, this is a benign lesion. It's a thing called an enchondroma, very common, nothing to worry about. And you don't need to see me anymore. Here it is a year and a half later. This patient still hasn't had their initial shoulder problem dealt with because they got caught up in this problem with this mass in the shoulder. Now, why do I tell you this story? Because this is what happens when you don't have a free market healthcare system. You get a one size fits all, government controlled, top down controlled system that replaces people with lesser trained people. And you had what happened was this patient went to go to this other orthopedic facility and they were evaluated by most likely a PA or a nurse practitioner who saw the lesion and didn't know what it was. And in their, in their system, they didn't even have, I mean, if they came to my practice, and one of my PAs saw it, they would know to get it in front of my eyes and I would decide. But in this case, this person uh, basically sent them uh, to Emory to get evaluated. Now, this created a lot of pain and suffering and cost. And here we are a year and a half later, the patient still hasn't had their shoulder issue um, attended to. Now I'm involved, it's gonna be fixed immediately. But my point is, we're seeing this collapse of our healthcare system, this government-controlled healthcare system, and it's happening right before our eyes. The people who want socialized medicine, they keep lying to you and telling you that Cuba is 39th in the world in healthcare system, whereas the United States is 37th. They keep telling you that socialized medicine is the way to go, and they're lying to you. It is not true. And we're going to talk more about that when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Scott Barber on the Doctors' Lounge. I'm on America's Web Radio, and we'll be right back. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And listen to The Doctor's Lounge, where you get a private insight into the conversations that doctors have amongst themselves. Join us Thursday, 8 a.m. every week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber, and you're listening to me on America's Web Radio. And as usual, we are talking about the horrors of socialized medicine and the virtues of free market healthcare system, and why we need to work every single day to promote free market healthcare in this world. And I've basically been talking to you about how this slow strangulation and transformation of our free market healthcare system into a socialized one has been destroying our healthcare. And um, the also the focus of this show is how junk science is a tool. To promote this free market healthcare care i 'm sorry is a tool to promote socialized medicine, which is a uh, socialized medicine is a tool to promote socialism and government control, and we need to work uh, uh, very seriously to fight against it now. One of the things we've been seeing a lot in this world, especially in the last two years, is anybody who's got a dissenting of view from the uh, from the government position or the establishment position is censored, canceled. I mean, we saw uh, Donald Trump, love him or hate him, he was the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, and um, you know had uh, some of the most followers on social media than any other person on the planet. And big tech uh, just elected to eliminate him from the conversation. Uh, because they didn't like what he was saying and this is is very very dangerous Um, this is basically against the fabric of the united states and what we were founded on and the reason that they're able to accomplish this is because they're memory holing the fabric of this country and what we were founded on and that one of the tools that they're using is junk science and let's talk a little bit about it now when i was a kid i had a good friend of mine uh his name was martin and um Martin's parents liked me to to hang out with Martin. He was really really smart, incredibly brilliant, uh, still is today. Uh, he was a little bit socially awkward, and so his parents liked him to hang out with me because by hanging out with me, I sort of brought him into uh, into the fold with uh, my friends. And um, Martin was a really great guy, and he and I used to spend a lot of time together when we were young. And I remember. His father was a physicist, and my father was a naval officer, and we got in an argument one day as to whether a ship was faster or a submarine was faster. So, of course, I went to my father, and I said, Dad, what's faster? My dad said, well, a ship is faster because uh, a submarine's got all this friction with the water and everything, and a, a, a submarine can't go as fast as a ship. So... Martin and I started arguing about it. And Martin tells me that a submarine is faster than a ship because they have something called a bow wave. I can't remember what it is, but he was arguing that this bow wave gave um, a submarine a competitive advantage over a ship. And the argument to this day between he and I has never been resolved. And, in fact, I still am not 100% sure what goes faster, whether it's a ship or a submarine. I don't know. Maybe somebody in the audience can let me know if, they're, if they know but what I do know is that the method that we we're using to get compliance from the other is used by the left all the time. And what was that tool? Well, my dad said so. And my dad is a naval officer, and therefore he is beyond reproach. He is infallible, and he knows all. And you are not allowed to contradict him. And Martin said, well, my dad is a physicist. And because my father is a physicist, you can't contradict what he's saying. And the argument is one, because... We're citing our academic pedigrees, we're citing our experience, we're citing our position. And now, you know, many years later, I realize that none of that stuff means a damn thing. But we see people doing it all the time, and it happens on the left a lot. We're always told about somebody's academic pedigree, where they went to school, they're a Harvard grad or whatever. But they don't ever have to accomplish anything in real life. They just simply cite their academic status and, and we're supposed to go along f- with it and and not ask any questions the same thing with position i was once the chairman of you know everything important it's like so what What do you know? I've learned in this life, and one of the reasons that I've been successful in my medical and business endeavors is because I don't care what your academic predigree is, and I don't care what positions you've held, and I don't care what your experience is necessarily. It's a piece of the puzzle, but I care what you have accomplished. What have you done in the real world world to prove uh, that you're effective? Now, this is important because... We see this happening uh, in these last two years, especially where, for example, the masks. And, you know, I, because I'm worried about being canceled, I have to be careful about how we talk about this. And I can't speak freely, which in and of itself is proving my point. But when you talk about the masks, many of you are aware that uh, I believe it was in Florida. They went to court and they got it uh, so that uh, the the state could not force kids to wear masks in the public schools. And so um, these attorneys who won that case, they're going to other states to try and do the same thing. And what I'm being told is happening is the attorneys are going to these lower courts. Uh, the state is producing a nurse who says simply, well, the CDC says that masks work. And the judges are going, well, there you have it, the CDC said so, and that ends it, and then the judges rule in favor of the state being able to mandate these masks in school. Now, the attorneys telling me that what happens is they then take that case, they appeal it to a higher court, and in these higher courts, apparently there are more judges that are less less left wing uh uh appointed type judges that actually follow the law and common sense. And that's where you're actually able to present data that shows that the masks don't necessarily work. And I think that's pretty much what the data shows right now. I do believe I can say that without being canceled at this point. But you can see how the, um, the junk science is being cited by the CDC. The CDC is being recognized as um, an unimpeachable source of authority. And if they say something... That's it. Well, we see them, meaning we see the establishment and government officials trying to do that even more. They're trying to get more control of us by using healthcare as a means. And I'm going to share with you some stuff to try and try and connect these dots. So, the World Health Organization is um, an entity that is the medical arm of the united nations now when i was a young kid and we were learning about world war one and woodrow wilson wanting to start his league of nations um and i was in you know i was young i was probably in middle school and i was naive and you know it was horrible we have you know we go to war all the time and if we could just you know solve our problems um with honest conversation at a at the league of nations then we wouldn't have to go to war. Well, I've grown up now and I realize that a lot of the world is controlled by strongmen and despots and corruptocrats that have no intention of debating things in in honest debate. They have no intention of acting in good faith and goodwill towards their fellow people. They're dictators and they're despots and they're murderers. And this is sadly uh, a lot of the people that are controlling other countries in the United Nations. So, the United States rather smartly and eruditely refused to join the League of Nations. Now, we go back and forth with this United Nations joke. I mean you have some of the worst offenders of human rights that are on the u n security council and it 's just ridiculous it 's another one of these things like people keep floating on rafts to get from Cuba. To the United States, but I'm supposed to be believed that Cuba is just this wondrous utopia because it's socialized and communist. It's ridiculous. Um, I'm supposed to believe that the United Nations, when I, I look at my own government. And I see the corruption in our own government, the wasteful spending and all that kind of stuff. What do you think is going on in China? What do you think is going on in the Soviet Union and, you know, so many other countries across Soviet Union, Russia, which is, you know, trying to reconstitute the Soviet Union, it looks like. My point is the reason that we have protection in this country is because we have the rule of law. If people come in and they try to act in a dictatorial fashion, we have the ability to vote them out of office. And the beauty of our constitutional Republican form of government is we have diffused power. Now, they are working every single day to consolidate their power, and, um, and they're getting very close to doing it. And in many ways, we've lost a lot of our freedoms, and we saw that happen uh, just in the age of COVID. And just without getting political about it, I'm just going to state some facts here. Um, You had to get a vaccine. You had to get it. Now, they'll argue and say, well, no, you had your choice. Yeah, you just can't live. You want to fly? You got to get a vaccine. You want to go to school? You got to get a vaccine. You want to go to work? You have to get a vaccine. I mean, if you want to live your life, you have to get a vaccine. That is not freedom, ladies and gentlemen. That is us being forced to. And where's the science? Well, They cite the CDC and the World Health Organization and the FDA. They cite these entities, never being asked to provide any science. And then when the science comes out that kind of contradicts what they're saying and we try to put it on social media, we get canceled. This is not how you run things. Now, when we look at the World Health Organization, which has a long history of corruption, and the World Health Organization has been influenced by big pharma um, uh, uh, over the years and and their their transgressions have been well documented, I found an article in National review and For those of you who may not be aware of the World Health Organization and their um, shenanigans, shall we say, um, I just want to read this to you now. You can go research it on your own. But those of you who naively believe that the World Health Organization is an organization of these happy doctors that are simply working in the best interest of humankind and that they have no other incentives other than the, you know, humanity, uh, you need to uh, wake up and smell the coffee because that's not who's working there. First of all, this uh, UN... um, leader of the World Health Organization, Tedros, is from Ethiopia. And let's let's just talk a little bit about him. He's handpicked by the Chinese government. Those of you who are not familiar with the China's Belt and Roads initiative, what they do is they go into countries like Ethiopia, they punch they pump a bunch of money into the country to develop it. And they hire people that uh, basically uh, they're basically hiring people from that country, making them dependent on China. And therefore, China then gets control of that country. And this guy Tedros, who used to be the health minister in Ethiopia, he's not even a medical doctor, is handpicked by China to be the World Health Organization leader. And of course, he does things that are favorable to China, like, say, that um, uh, the 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 uh, coronavirus or the covid virus didn't come from a wuhan lab which we now know it did or that the uh, coronavirus the covid virus uh, didn't have human to human transition we see transmission we see that uh, the world health organization is only too happy to promote china's uh, wishes now this is an article that was published in national review it was an expose on the world health organization infamously lavish spending on first-class affair and five-star hotels. The AP obtained documents showing that the World Health Organization routinely spent about $200 million a year on travel expenses, more than what it doles out to fight some of the biggest problems in public health, including AIDS, tuberculosis, malaria combined. This follows similar scandals that prompted a 2015 seminar on accountability in which WHO Finance Chief Nick Jeffries said that the World Health Organization employees can sometimes manipulate a little bit their travel. He admitted that the WHO couldn't be sure that staff travel was booked cost-effectively or was even warranted. Ian Smith, the Executive Director of the General's Office, reported that the agency did little to prevent abuses. Moreover... $803 million the WHO paid for travel since 2013 doesn't include costs often covered by host countries seeking to curry favor. Um, We also have um, in the same meeting, the the World Health uh, organization Assembly voted itself $28 million increase in assessed contributions from taxpayers um, for Tedros 2018 and 2019 budgets, unlike the case with voluntary contributions from governments the WHO considers assessed contributions to be the highest quality funding because they are fully flexible and can be allocated to any type of work, just the way the WHO likes it with no strings attached. Without a hint of irony, Tedros proclaimed this election has been unprecedented in, in that it brought transparency to the organization and an even greater legitimacy to direct to the director general. Um, Listen, folks, the World Health Organization is a bureaucracy that is incompetent and um, you know, unaccountable at best. Their funding comes from tax dollars from all of these countries around the world. We saw it with COVID spending. We saw our own government spending trillions of dollars in COVID relief. Nobody even discussed it. It came up on the floor. Oh, it's COVID. They just spent the money. A lot of that goes to the World Health Organization, and God knows what they're doing with it. The less charitable... Um, Understanding of what the World Health Organization does is absolute corruption. Uh, These people are bribed uh, oftentimes by big pharma, and I can do an entire show on it. I probably will at some point on how uh, pharmaceutical companies come in. They bribe the World Health Organization to promote vaccines and medications. They then use this tax money, divide it up among their friends, and they go unleash these medications around the world. Uh, This organization is not accountable to us. And you need not look any further than the past two years to see how wrong they've been on so many different things and how they changed their position. And listen, um, the World World Health Organization is the medical arm of the United Nations. The United Nations is this corrupt organization that is trying to work a one-world government. And, you know, the United States... Over the last hundred plus years has done a very good job at keeping us out of this uh, organization to the extent that we don't let them make decisions in our country. Our elected officials answer to us. And when they don't uh, act in accordance with our wishes, we have the ability, at least hopefully we still have the ability, to vote these people out. When you get these unelected bureaucrats at these world organizations and we don't have the ability to uh, vote them out of office, they can do things to us and we have no, uh, no recourse. Now, things are getting worse because let's get back to the idea that um, we're all so conditioned to listen to the science, you know, junk science. Um, science has often been used as a cudgel Um, And it's very much like saying my dad's in the Navy and my dad says ships go faster, therefore the statement is unimpeachable. I'm using an authoritative source. The World Health Organization says that uh, masks work and that the uh, COVID virus did not come from a Wuhan lab and that there's no human-to-human transition. Well, I disagree with that. Well, you're not allowed to disagree with that, and if you do, you'll be canceled. I mean, this is utterly ridiculous. Now, I've been in in medicine for a long time. I've been in healthcare and science. Uh, I've been working. I've worked at the Lombardi Cancer Institute. I've worked at um, um, the National Institute of Health, and here I am giving you my academic pedigree. Uh, All I'm saying is I've seen the inside of these places and I know how science works and I know that it's like everything else in life. It needs to be verified and it needs to be challenged constantly in order to keep us on course. And the other thing I know is like everything else, it can be manipulated. Now, look, the one thing that I've learned the older I get is nothing. uh, You know, Reagan said it. Trust, but verify. I believe that about everything. I mean, I trust, but I verify because... There are people that often act with malice, but then there are also people who just see things differently. Um, that doctor who told me I was out for the season because of my broken finger, I don't think he had malice towards me. I just think that person had a perspective. And then I went to a different doctor that had a different perspective. And my ability to be able to choose my own healthcare, to choose my own course in life, is what gave me the ability to get my finger treated and I could keep playing and, I, and it, it, it made a big impact on my life. That's a small thing. And now we're talking about my kids' education. We're talking about my health care. We're talking about the decisions that my country makes. It's much more important. The stakes are much higher. And I need you guys to see what's happening uh, right in front of you. And one of the things, one of the tools is junk science. Now, many of you may be familiar with the statement, 97% of climate scientists agree that man-made anthropologic or anthropometric uh global warming is occurring, meaning man is causing global warming now they make this statement 90 percent 97 percent of climate scientists agree and it's just on the face of it it makes no sense to a scientist i'm a scientist listen you're saying 97 percent of scientists agree let me see the list of 100 percent of scientists who gets to be included on that list who judges who's on that list um I happen to know that when you want to do scientific research these days, you have to oftentimes, especially if it includes anything that involves human beings, you have to go get what what's known as an IRB number. And that's basically government approval to to um, to produce. You also have to get funding and you have to get grants, which often come from the government. Now, if you're going to get a government grant and your goal is to prove that man-made global warming is not happening, do you think you're going to get any grant money? No, you're not. Now, if you're going to do one that says global warming is the cause of all evils, man, they'll give you government money all day long. If you're going to do a study from a pharmaceutical company, are, are you going to be able to prove that their drug doesn't work are they going to fund that, or are they going to fund you if you happen to show that their drug does work? These are what we call biases, and it's very important to understand that there are biases in scientific research. And listen, as cynical as I am, I've never been more cynical until I read this uh, stuff from uh, Dr. Richard Horton, who used to be chief editor of The Lancet, which is one of the top journal, medical journals on the face of the earth. Horton declared, much of scientific literature, perhaps half- may simply be untrue afflicted by studies with small sample sizes tiny effects invalid exploratory analysis and flagrant conflicts of interest together with an obsession for pursuing fashionable trends of dubious importance science is taking a turn towards darkness to state the point in other words Horton states bluntly that the major pharmaceutical companies falsify or manipulate tests on health safety and effectiveness of their various drugs by taking sample sizes too small to be statistically meaningful or hiring test labs or scientists where lab or scientist has blatant conflicts of interest, such as pleasing the drug company or to get further grants. That's what I just talked about. As the drugs of major effects on health have major effects on the health of millions of consumers, the manipulation amounts to criminal direction and malfeasance. Malfeasance. Listen, folks. Uh, when you're in the world of something and you know about it, you see the corruption. I've For the last two years, these uh, the, the science that has been cited to promote the direction that we've gone in our attack to COVID has just been blatantly ridiculous. And we've tried to talk about on this show how when I was going through medical school and residency, we used to discuss um, the quality of scientific research. We understood that from the beginning, every single scientific paper – has bias in it. The goal is to reduce that bias as much as possible. We'll never get rid of it, but we try to reduce it. And we reduce it by... Uh, blinding the study, doing crossover studies, uh, doing placebo controlled studies, doing randomized studies, doing prospective studies and not retro. There's all these different things that we can do to a study to eliminate bias. But the one thing we can never do is completely eliminate bias. And that's why whenever a new scientific paper comes out, it's a piece of the puzzle. It doesn't end the debate. It doesn't settle it for all time. It's just another piece of the puzzle and I can tell you as a scientist who relies on scientific literature I'll read papers and I'll say to myself you know what I don't agree with this at all in my experience things are different I I think this is a flawed um um you know position I think that their assessment here and you know I I'll agree and then other papers I'll read and I'll say wow I think that's pretty good actually that's that actually is, uh, in, you know, it goes along with what I'm seeing in my own private practice. Every doctor does this. Every scientist does this. And every scientist knows this to be true. The science is never settled. And when you go back and you look at this statement, 97% of climate scientists agree, you start looking at the science. That is not at all what happened. There are lots of scientists who have no opinion. They're simply not occluded. There's a lot of scientists who say, well, I don't know, but man may be contributing To global warming. Well, that's not saying that man-made global warming is definitely occurring, and that's what happens, is you get people that try and take authoritative figures to cite junk science, and listen, you got the head of the Lancet, you know, the the chief editor of the Lancet saying half is just wrong. I mean, that's even worse than I thought. Now, that's not all there is, because now we have... um, the uh editor in chief of the New England uh, Journal of Medicine, you guys have heard of that that magazine right you 've heard of that journal right dr. Marshall angle, or is it angel I apologize if i 'm saying her name wrong, is a physician and longtime editor in chief of the New England Medical Journal, <clears throat> considered to be another one of the most prestigious peer reviewed medical journals in the world. She stated it is simply no longer possible to believe much of the clinical research that is published or to rely on the judgment of trusted physicians or authoritative medical guidelines. I take no pleasure in this conclusion, which I reached slowly and reluctantly over my two decades as editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine. Wow. Wow. Now, listen, in case you think I'm just pulling out, um, you know, isolated things, Listen, the editor-in-chief of the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine, I would argue those are the two top medical journals on planet Earth. And these people are not saying, hey, listen, some of the research is a little bit flawed. They're saying, like, it's fraudulent, up to half. I mean, this is insane to me. Now, we just saw the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet recently published fake studies on hydroxychloroquine being toxic and they had to retract those studies two weeks after publication when they were caught using fake data. I mean, this is what we caught. How much is out there that we don't know? I I honestly have to say um, I'm I'm reassessing everything I've ever learned in medicine, and I'm looking at things with an even, you know, a greater grain of salt than I used to look at it. And you guys need to see this because if you're just – blatantly following <clears throat> following suit because people are citing people with academic pedigree or somebody citing some science, you need to say to yourself, listen, I need critical thinking there. Now, listen, to be clear, I am not saying never look at science anymore. Let's not do it anymore. It's all crap. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you need to use your own judgment and you need to look at everything that you ever read and assess it for yourself, which means we can't be eliminating voices. We can't be canceling people off of social media, especially people that have long careers, long, um, um, you know. Successful careers. Uh, Doctor Peter McCullough. He's a you know a, a very highly trained, highly published person, and he's been thrown off of social media and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's really crazy. Now, it gets even worse because. <clears throat> It turns out that on May 22nd through the 28th, there's going to be a vote in Geneva, Switzerland, at the World Health Assembly, which is the governing body of the World Health Organization. And Joe Biden is going to propose amendments to cede national sovereignty to the United Nations on public health issues, um, which will give the United Nations, the World Health Organization, the ability to intervene in U.S. health policy. Now, I don't know what what you guys are thinking but apparently joe biden proposed these on january the 18th 2022 and we just found out about it in april and this vote is going to be taking place in two weeks now the united nations has 193 nations in it and 40 of these nations are supporting joe biden's proposal including canada the european union the united kingdom australia folks when you look at joe biden's record right now um Inflation, gas prices, the supply chain shortage, the shortage on baby formula are open borders. I mean, this president is absolutely tanking in every level. And then they're lying to us. I mean, they tell us about inflation and they don't understand how it could happen. And they're blaming it on everybody but themselves. But listen, inflation specifically occurs when you print money. Before Joe Biden took office, inflation rates were 1.7%. They went up as high as 8.5 percent, and I believe yesterday they dropped down to 8.3 percent. And he's saying, "Oh, it's not him; it's Putin; it's this; it's that; it's COVID; it's everything but him, folks." They've printed trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. That's what's causing it. Now they're going to th- these people in power. They're going to get a, get get smashed in the upcoming elections. So how can they maintain control? Maintain control? Well perhaps they can use the world health organization and their new powers that they may be getting to control things in the united states how does it feel uh, like shanghai if the world health organization and says we've got another epidemic outbreak and maybe we need to lock down 26 million people in their in their homes like is happening in shanghai right now folks socialism is not the way socialism kills free markets work in healthcare and everything else and we need to work towards that. I'm going to keep you guys informed. We're going to keep discussing this and and keep talking about the importance of free market healthcare. Um I'll catch you guys next time on the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber and you're listening to me on America's Web Radio. Have a great week. The views, opinions and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station.